0: Nine of 14 this year on fourth down. Three receivers out to the left for Carr. Jacobs the long setback. Play action, toss left to Jacobs. And he's hitting the backfield and brought down. Standoff off Taylor, big hole in the middle. 35-40, 45-50, a lot of room trying to beat Harman. Far sideline, 20, 15, 10, high steps 10. Touchdown Taylor. Right on cue, the pro bowler takes it 66 yards through the middle of the line. They missed the one in Tennessee. They missed the one at Kansas City. Here's to go up three. Ball on the right hash. Car under center. Snap. Three-step drop. Fires the slant. It's batted in the air, and it's incomplete. old receiver to the left. Quick snap to Ryan. Looks left. Takes up through the middle. Pump fakes 25-30. He's got green grass. 40-45-50. He breaks through a defender. And Matt Ryan finally chased down at the Raiders 36. He's back to pass here has an open Pittman at the 30, and it's dropped on the field. Branders pops on top of it. Just Butler loses on it. it. It's still loose. Pittman fell back on it. If it's a fumble, he got back on the football Yes, field. he did. Just fall on the football. Because of it, it's back to second and 10. Ryan back to pass. Slant caught Campbell. 30, 25, 20. Angling left side 10. Breaks a tackle. Oh, my goodness. Touchdown, Colts. Oh, no. Snap to Derek. Back to pass, down the middle of the field for Moro, in the end zone and he drops it! Shotgun snap, That's the Bulls a blitz. bring a blitz, the off his back foot, lobs for the end zone for Adams, knocked away, no flag! No Stefan Gilmore was step for step with the Pro Bowler, nothing thrown, it's incomplete, and the Raiders link here at home are going to
1: lose to the Colts and Jeff Saturday in his first career game as a head coach. Oh boy, here we
0: go. They
2: actually lost to Jeff Saturday. What a
1: complete disaster in so many ways. They
2: lost. They lost. (laughs) Jeff Sunday. (laughs) They lost to a guy who had never coached at all at the NFL level or college level. They
1: lost to a play caller who'd never called a play in the NFL.
2: Unbelievable. How How did they lose to that well, team? Well, they're not
1: very good. <laughs> Let's start with the obvious. They're not very good at all. I and mean, they've got so many issues uh, bigger than how they play that uh, I'm sure we'll go over all of them. Jeff Saturday was on
2: ESPN Radio Monday morning. Yeah. Two weeks ago, he was tweeting that the Raiders looked awful. He, well, he was right about my, that. My theory is that Jim Ursay called Jeff Saturday a couple weeks ago and said, I, I want you to be our head coach. And Jeff decided said, "Hold on, the Raiders are coming up mid-November. Just just wait until that yeah. week. Fire Frank, I know right, they look hire awful. me, and I'll I'll come beat the Raiders for you. It'll be
3: a great moment for the Indianapolis Colts. A maj- not a majority, but a large portion of the pregame was spent on talking how disgraceful it was that they hired this yes. guy, and the Raiders lost. It's unbelievable. The first bite." The first bite is brought to you by nobody. Should the Raiders fire Josh McDaniels? Should and will two different questions. Because <laughs> I don't think they will. I don't think they can afford
1: to. Yeah, I think he's... Uh, Mark Davis has too much invested in Ziggler McDaniels at this point. But something has to change. Someone has to change. Uh, you can't stay status quo with this team right
2: now. So, okay, there, there's a few different ways I think you can look at the Josh McDaniels being fired. And... The first one for me is to basically ask the opposite question and why would you fire Josh McDaniels right now? And the only two reasons I can come up with, number one is money, right? Mark Davis had to pay John Gruden to not coach anymore. Does he really want to halfway through the next season pay another coach to not coach for him anymore? I I can't imagine he does. No, I can't imagine that. And then the other one is... You know, what good does firing McDaniels do you yeah. right now? Like if you fire him right now, the season's not turning around because whoever becomes the interim head coach of the team, like I, the, the season's not going to be saved. Maybe it gives you a little bit of a head start on preparing to hire the next coach, but even then you can start doing that sort of behind the scenes right now anyway, if you're Mark Davis. So I, I do think there is a legitimate question as to what would firing him right now do The problem for Josh McDaniels, though, is neither of those reasons are because he's good. Both of those reasons are just sort of situational, circumstantial, and not because, oh, he might turn it around. Because does anybody believe he's turning it around?
1: I mean, I don't. He's. I mean, he's. at some point, the evidence has to override the fact that, oh, this is just his ninth game here. He's seven for his last 31 as a head coach in the league. I just think that that is enough evidence to suggest... That again, if Mark if Mark Davis thinks he's the answer, there's a ton of questions that have not been answered.
2: Right, this isn't a, a first time head coach. This is right. They, that's not the situation we're dealing with here, where it's okay. You gave a guy a shot, and in his first year, you know things. They've lost a lot of one score games, right? Six, oh, and six. Right. It's not a matter of oh, this is the first time he's done it, and as he continues to coach, he'll get better. Josh McDaniels failed as a head coach like a decade ago, and Mark Davis decided to give him a second chance. And it's been awful. It's been atrocious for the Raiders to a point where they lose to a guy who had never coached above the high school level before. What was Jeff Saturday's high school team's record? Like two and seven? Yeah, they stunk. Like, this is unbelievable that they lost this game. And I I think if you're Mark Davis, the main question you're trying to answer isn't if you're going to fire Josh McDaniels now. The main question that you're trying to answer is, is there any reason for me to be optimistic about Josh McDaniels as my head coach in 2023 and beyond? Is there any reason to think this is going to turn around in 2023 and beyond? Like, he should be angry about what happened on Sunday. He should be angry about the three leads of 17 points or more that they've blown. He should be angry about being shut out by the Saints, Like, which, by the way, we're halfway through the season, and there are four hilariously bad losses by this team, five hilariously bad losses by this team. He should be angry about all that. But Mark Davis, his his thought process needs to be what's better for the Raiders in 2023. And is there anything about Josh McDaniels that's going to inspire some optimism for the future? It, it, can you find any reason to believe in Josh Not McDaniels? at this point. No. Right, and right now, there isn't one. Maybe we see the second half of the season and the Raiders actually turn some things around. Not going to the playoffs, but they they actually look competent in some of these games. But there's zero reason right now to think that Josh McDaniels is your head coach in 2023, 2024, or beyond is going to do anything good for you.
3: Is there some argument to be made that he's the system is fine, the execution is lacking? So the players are, I mean, their defense, so bad. Well, okay. Matt Ryan, obviously known for being mobile. 39 yards. 39 yards. Okay. Here's the other part of this.
2: Dave Ziggler is not getting nearly as much criticism as he deserves right now. Right now it's all about Mark or about uh Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels, which fair. They lost to Jeff Saturday in the Indianapolis Colts, right? But this roster sucks. And we talked about it the entire offseason. They did not address the offensive line. They did not address anything defensively except trading for Chandler Jones. And he's been awful. He's been t- useless, right? Is Let me ask you this way. What's the best roster move the Raiders made in the offseason? I mean,
1: Devontae Adams, I think, was still a good one. I think he's produced when when they throw him the ball. I'm trying to think of uh, Max Crosby's extension.
2: So the best thing that this organization did in the offseason was they extended the best defensive player on the team. Like they inherited the best defensive player and And said, let's keep him around. And they traded away the first and second round pick for a wide receiver to go two and seven. Like if you're going to go two and seven, you don't want to trade for Devontae Adams, right? Like you trade for Devontae Adams when you're going to be seven and two. If you're two and seven and you traded for Devontae Adams, that's a terrible trade. Like, I know that's some hindsight looking at it, but that's a terrible move to make. Yeah, you pushed all in when you have like a pair of sixes. Right. This front office did almost nothing right in the offseason. The best player on the offense so far this year, they didn't pick up Josh Jacobs' fifth-year option. They gave Derek Carr a new contract. He's been playing probably as bad as he's been in his entire career. They gave Renfro and Waller new contracts. Those guys can't even get on the field. They gave Waller a contract when he had this hamstring injury. Can't even get on the field. The Chandler Jones signing looks terrible. They didn't address their biggest need on the offensive line. They didn't address their biggest need in the secondary. I don't know that they made a single good move this offseason. I don't know that you can point to anything Dave Ziegler did that has helped this team play better football.
1: Well, and now they have a bigger problem, I think, than two and seven because for the second straight week, you've got team leaders questioning uh, that locker room, and I think it's a splintered locker room. I don't care what – they're going this is what's going to happen today. They're going to come out and see all the quotes from yesterday and all the stories and the columns, and they're going to say, no, they're wrong, you're wrong, we're okay in the locker room because that's what happens. After losses like that, raw emotion takes over, and you say what the actual truth is. Right. But today, they're going to see all that and say, uh-oh, we can't give that impression that we're not all together. And that's what they're gonna say, even though I don't believe they're all together at all. They're two and seven. They shouldn't be all together. I mean, <laughs> like they, they should they, be looking around. That locker room's not good. And 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 second straight week now, Devontae Adams and then Carr yesterday, overly emotional, crying after the game, called guys out without specifically naming right. names. Super I don't know what happened in that I don't know what happened in that locker room, but something happened in that
2: locker room. Yeah. They're just
1: something not happened.
2: good. I mean, what was we, we'll have to go back and find the story again of Josh McDaniels and his coaching style at Denver, right? Putting all the signs up on the wall about you know Well
1: he lost the locker room in Denver.
2: Right. About, you know, work hard and talent and all that crap, right? right? Like that's that's what Josh McDaniels won. A lot of people in Denver don't think Josh McDaniels did a very good job managing people, let alone the the football stuff, just the managing people side of this. So to me, this team has nowhere to go. There's no reason to think Josh McDaniels or Dave Ziegler are going to be any good at their jobs, right? Not a single reason to think that right now. But I don't know that you do a lot yourself a lot of good firing them now. Firing them now is sort of a make me feel better about myself yeah. situation. Make the fan base feel make better. Make the fan them. base feel better. Right? I could maybe... Okay, I should add this to the list. Reasons to fire McDaniels right now is the fan base would be happy for three or four days. Right, like you would, you would at least tell the fan base, "Hey, this is not acceptable." I guess. Right, would be the only. Uh, That's w- not enough though. At this right. point, I don't That's think not so enough, either. Though, at this point,
1: now let them be. I mean, they're going to be mad no matter right. what, anyway.
2: So I just, it, it's a brutal situation, and I don't know that there's a right answer for Mark Davis at this point in terms of firing or not firing. Because I don't think firing him does him any good, and keeping them around to the end of the season it's it's just a lost second half of the season because they're they're two and seven right even if they do turn it around what are they getting to five what wins? do they mean five or six wins right and six and eleven right that's just that's pointless that's just hurts you just hurts your drafts place right? right at the end of the day right you, you actually kind of want to lose these games Maybe right
1: they're Second right now in the draft order.
2: Well, in all honesty, we might look back and look at this game as a good thing for the Raiders because they'll pick ahead of the Colts. Right. Like, we might look back and say, oh, yeah, that was a critical win in the race to get in the top five or wherever they end up picking. It's just a brutal place to be. And I don't. Mark Davis deserves a ton of blame because he's the one that decided we're going Patriots West. Give me Ziegler and McDaniels and let's make this work. But Ziegler and McDaniels deserve so much blame right now. And Ziegler's getting off probably not. Perfectly free. I'm sure there's pr- plenty of people criticizing him, but Ziegler's getting off relatively easy right now because he put together this roster. The, this front office did a terrible job in the offseason. I mean, to me, this this front office did not give Jonathan Abram a fifth year option. This front office said Jonathan Abram is not good enough to get a fifth year option from us, and then did not replace him in the starting lineup until and then ended up moving until and ended up of the season. Him. They they knew he wasn't any good. And then still didn't make a single move to get somebody ahead of him to take his starting spot. That in itself tells you like makes you question what are they doing? Because if you're not picking up his fifth year option, but you're letting him be the starter, that's two different messages about the same exact player. Either you believe in him or you don't. And there was no reason to believe in him, but for some reason, he was still the starter until two weeks ago, until whenever weeks they started when they cutting his him. playing time. It's just unreal how bad everything has been since they hired McDaniels and Sigler. It's unreal. How bad it's been. All right. Coming up next, we'll stick with the NFL because, uh-oh, the Minnesota Vikings, they might be good. And
0: Davis is behind Allen, and he tried to push him. He didn't get out of there. He didn't get out? He did not get out. That's a safety. Give it to us. Oh, the no. Ball came he out. down. Yes, the Vikings, you The Vikings are going to win. Are you kidding me? Yes, drop that. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. This is the press box with
1: Graney
2: and Bischoff. <laughs> so the best part of that call is yes. Drop that ball. Josh Allen. The second best part of that call is the Vikings are going to win. And then Josh Allen drove down and got the bills and field goal range yes. to tie it and of overtime. Yeah. <laughs> like the bills almost still won the game even though the announcer made the early call there. So the Vikings are 33. I think that was the Minnesota announcer. Yeah. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, The Vikings won <laughs> 33 to 30 in overtime, and they are now eight and one. How good I do mean, you believe the Vikings are?
1: I mean, I think they're pretty good. I think they go into Buffalo and win that game. Um, look, Record is what you are, right? In the NFL, you're 8-1. and one. Uh, They have an incredible wide receiver. I don't know if I trust Kirk Cousins to go deep into a, a, the playoffs, but I think they're pretty decent, given what's happening to other teams around that league, especially in that conference. I mean, you have to give them some credit. They've won 8-9 of nine. at some point. Like we said with the Raiders, they're all 2-7. and seven. They're no good. Um, when you're 8-1 and one in this league, I think you're pretty good.
2: They have won on the road against Miami and against Buffalo. Yeah. Um, they have a massive lead in their division and they already beat the Packers once uh, in their division. They are that, Here's the thing with the the Vikings. They are almost guaranteed to win their division at this point, mm-hmm. right? They're eight and one. The Packers are four and six. Even if the Packers went out and get to, what would that be? 11 and six. So the Packers have to win out to get to 11 and six. The Vikings only have to win three more games to match that 11 and six record. And then it would come down to the tiebreaker in that scenario. So the Vikings are going to be a division winner, and they're going to have a easier path to getting to the NFC title game. But I'm going to give you this prediction: could have two
1: uh, two home games, yeah.
2: They could, yeah. As of right now, they would be the two seed and would play. They'd play an opening weekend against the final wild card team, and then if they win, they they'd would get one to, more. They get one more home game before having to go to Philly, and then would conceivably have to go to Philadelphia for the, the NFC title game. A red hot take, I know it's coming. The Green Bay Packers are going to beat the Vikings in the playoffs. You think the Green Bay Packers will get in? The Vikings are going to be the two seed, the Packers are going to be the 7 seed, and the Packers are going to go to Minnesota and okay. win in the first round of the playoffs. I well, do not believe in the Vikings. Even though they're eight and one, I think this team is a lot closer to the four and six Packers than they are to the undefeated Eagles. Oh, I didn't I
1: didn't say they're close to the I think the Eagles are the best team. Yeah. You asked if they're any good.
2: I think you they're, don't think they're any good? I, I mean I think they're a playoff level team, but they every I think is it every single win they have this year is by one possession. Well, that would be helpful if the Raiders could have some oh, of those.
1: We have yeah, a yeah. team that's zero oh six here. That's zero oh and six against one possession they, games.
2: They would take some of those, I would think. But yeah, I think every single win they have, like they beat the Saints by three, they beat the Lions by four, they, they they beat the Packers handily, twenty-three to seven. So all but one of their wins so far this year is by a single possession. That does not imply that they are truly an eight and one team, right? When you have when you're mm. eight and one and you're seven and zero oh in one possession games, you're not truly huh. an eight and one team.
1: I mean, they're doing what they have to to win games, right?
2: They are. They're they're going to be in the playoffs. They're a, they're a good NFL team, but they're not a true contender. They're just not that good. I don't believe they, they have Derek Carr at quarterback.
1: Well, that's why I said I don't think he can go right. deep.
2: I don't think he can go deep. I just
1: I think they're a good team right now. I think they're a good football team.
2: Yeah, but they they're not. I
1: didn't they're not know that. competing. That's why I, for that's the why Super I said Bowl. I don't think Kirk Cousins has the ability to take them deep. They have a hell of a receiver.
3: Yeah, some of those balls, to Jefferson I mean, were was,
1: wobbly. Yeah. All right,
2: his fourth and eighteen one-handed catch is one of the greatest catches I've ever seen yeah. in my life. And yet, Kirk Cousins threw a terrible pass. <laughs> yep. There was a there was a bigger window on the other side of Justin Jefferson to make that an easier completion. And also, I don't know who the defensive back was. On 4th and 18, why on earth did the defensive back try to catch that ball right. with two hands? What?
1: Exactly. There, he's. Why don't you just try to knock it down? Just just hit it anywhere. Yeah, put your slightly hands between away from Jefferson. Jefferson's hands and and knock the ball down.
2: Absolutely incredible catch. It never should have happened because Kirk Cousins should have thrown a better pass, and even when he did throw that terrible pass, it should have been knocked down. Should have happened there. Um, all right, on the flip side, the Bills are 6-3. and three. They've lost back-to-back yeah. games to the Jets and the Vikings. What's,
1: what's happened with the Bills?
2: I have, whatever, since week three or four or something like that, I felt it's Eagles, Chiefs, and Bills. That's your top tier of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that's change, the top change tier? Change in your mind? Do, do you think um, the Bills are top
1: three? I still, I, I'm going to stay with the, I'm going to stay with the Eagles and the Chiefs. I'm not
2: so sure the Bills are now the top three, but I'm going to say yes. I think they still I'm gonna are. Say yes. I think they still are. With one caveat: Does Josh Allen get healthy this year? Right. Well, I, I was I was shocked he played yesterday. Me too, with the UCL, yeah, and the elbow injury. Because he like didn't take warm ups with the team or something weird like that, and then just ran out of the tunnel ready to play. That's what you want to do with a bad elbow.
1: <laughs> you don't want to warm up. You just want to you want to come in cold, <laughs> especially in Buffalo. You're not warming up anyway, so might as well anyway. stay. You're cold? gonna be freezing anyway, so might as well stay in the locker room and with the heat on.
2: I, I think, still think the Bills are in I that top tier. I don't think that's changed much, even with back to back losses, but. Here, again, if we're looking at how do you win the Super Bowl, if you're looking at path, right, they are no longer in first place in their division. They're half game behind the the Dolphins, and they have the same record as the Jets, and they're only one game ahead of the Patriots. I still think the Bills win that division, but there's an opening there for the Dolphins, and if the Dolphins pull it out, if the Dolphins are able to win that division instead of the Bills, the Bills don't have much of a shot. They're going to gonna the
1: be Bowl. that's going to be hard if they're a wild card. Yeah,
2: you become a wild card team and you got to win three games on the road yeah. to go to the Super Bowl. That seems highly improbable. And by the way, poor division winner that would then get the Buffalo Bills in the first round of the playoffs. What a nightmare that would be! It could be. It'd probably be the wouldn't, Titans. It wouldn't be the Chiefs. It'd probably it wouldn't be, the, be the Dolphins. Yeah, is who it would probably yeah. be at that do, day. Maybe the Dolphins. Do we feel
3: confident in the Titans? Are they are they that far ahead of the Colts? <laughs> In record, they are. <laughs> okay, I just thought that the AFC South was such a dumpster fire that no one's no one's out of the running yet. Well, no, they're not. I mean, what are they? They're uh, I think it's a game and a half.
2: No, they're two full games ahead of the Colts. Yeah, Colts, Colts are catching them. Uh, Jeff, Saturday's Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday. Do they have the Raiders on the schedule again? I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't think that's. No, happening. they don't. They only play them once. Here, here's the oh god, this isn't even close. Colts schedule. Eagles, Steelers, Cowboys, Vikings, Chargers, Giants, Texans. Oh, there's a win, Texans. Yes. Yeah, Jeff Saturday's got a second. They run. got one at the end of the year, and they got the Steelers in there. But that's every every other game on that schedule they could lose, and you'd be like, okay, yeah. Steelers yeah. feel like a get
3: ba- a get yeah. right game for the Steelers. That's might a be. Uh,
1: well, Raiders two and seven. Their schedule's gonna start getting harder. I'm, I was saying, I was thinking they have the tiebreaker over the Colts, but that schedule with the Colts, maybe the Colts moves ahead of them in the draft.
2: You know what's gonna happen, right? The Raiders are going to win, like, four of these they're games gonna, They're the going to
1: finish, like, 6-11, and 11, screw right. themselves yep. on the draft pick.
2: Like, we looked at this, and we were like, oh, the schedule's getting easy after the bye week, and outside of the Texans, they've managed to lose all of these yes. games. And then when they start to play Seahawks, Chargers, Patriots, 49ers They'll start Chiefs, winning a few just they, to yes. mess with their draft pick. 100%. That's they're, exactly what They're literally
3: going to go from, somehow they're going to get the 12th pick.
1: Just, no, yeah. like, literally, yeah. like, move yeah.
3: themselves out of any yeah. of those... Yeah. Generational quarterbacks are generational players yeah. to the eh, you know, he's, I guess he's okay. We'll get a left
2: guard. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Coming up next, Mark Ziegler joins the show.
0: Under center, Ryan again hands off to Jonathan Taylor. Big run 40, 45, 50. Breaks it outside. Down the far sideline. He's at the 30. He's at the 20, 10, 5 and he is close to the end zone. Should he stay in? Yes. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. A 66-yard run to Painter for Jonathan Taylor. Ryan the throw, crossing pattern, inside the 20 to go to the Colts, 10 at the 5, and they will score a touchdown with Paris Campbell. That's a 36-yard crossing pattern all the way to the house for Paris Campbell. And the Colts are back on top as Paris finds Pater.
4: You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff
2: underscore Tyler. Joining us now from the San Diego Union-Tribune is Mark Ziegler. Uh, Mark, we'll start here as a Raiders fan. Are you surprised Josh McDaniels is still the head coach of the team right now?
4: Here's my thoughts on that. (laughs) You ready? No, no whether he deserves to be fired or should be fired to me are two different questions, right? Does he deserve to be fired? 100%. We have enough of a sample size now to know that he's, he's ruined a playoff team. That was probably more talented than last year's team. And, and we knew he couldn't coach, you know, based on his previous stop. Uh, and we're just learning that again. So, Yes, he deserves to be fired. Should he be fired? No, because this is the the weird thing about professional sports is if your team is no good and it's out of the playoff chase, there's only one thing to live for, and that's the draft pick. And he's the man for the job. I mean, <laughs> keep him in, keep him in there. Let him go two and fifteen. Get Bryce Young and start over with somebody else. But if you bring in somebody else and they fire up the the troops, the guys want to come off injured list, want to actually play for him, and they start winning some games, you could screw that all up. So. I'm very cynical about it, but I so yes, he deserves to be fired. No, he shouldn't be. The, the, the only way out of this is the number one pick. So, you
1: don't want a rich Versace situation anymore?
4: Uh, no, I mean, I wouldn't mind having him come back, though. He was a heck of a coach.
2: Wait, wait, which former Raider should they hire to come be the interim for the rest of the season? Art Shell. No, <laughs> <laughs> Romanowski. <laughs> I think uh, Lincoln Kennedy, he does the uh, radio. He he can just come down from the booth, Yeah, Jeff Saturday
4: out of the booth. Yeah, you can do both. I was going to say, yeah, after after Jeff Saturday.
2: All right, Mark Ziegler with us from San Diego Union-Tribune. San Diego State beats BYU over the weekend. Uh, They did that at home. San Diego State uh, team that's going to be in the top 25, it looks like, most of the season. How good do you think this Aztec team is after just two games?
4: Well, I'll put it to this way, they, they've scored 80 and 82 points, which is the, their high last year was 80 against, uh, UNLV. I think, um, have already scored 80 and 82 points and Matt Bradley, the leading scorer from last year, hasn't done anything. Uh, he was three of 16 against BYU. So if they get him going and sort of get him readjusted into his new role in this, uh, offense with Daring Trammell transfer from Seattle, Jay Ledee transfer from TCU and the other pieces they have around, they could be pretty dangerous. Um, they kind of have a trap game uh, tomorrow night at Stanford because they go to Maui next week. They play Ohio state. If they beat Ohio state, they could play Arizona. Um, they've been looking forward to that for years. I mean, this is like their final four and they just came off this emotional high of BYU. And now they're going to go to a completely dead uh, arena at Stanford and play a pretty good Stanford team, pick fifth in the pack 12 uh, that has some talent and, um, and I think it's going to be a really, really tough game. So let's see if they get through that.
1: What do you, uh, Mountain West? You know what the picks were. Uh, you saw the poll. What did you think about that? How good can this league be, or will a team like that at the top get hurt because there's not as many good teams?
4: Well, they won't get as hurt because their strength of schedule will be so strong in the in the non conference. You know, besides the Maui, we're all all three games you play are going to be really, really good. I mean, five of the, of the eight teams are ranked, and another one is Ohio State. They're getting votes. They might get ranked this week. Um, and they also play St. Mary's in December. So they have plenty of, of strength of schedule. They'll be okay. But some of the other teams are not going to be okay because they're just there isn't enough. When I look around these schedules and these teams aren't playing anybody. Uh, and that doesn't help the league at all. It doesn't help the, the overall um, you know, metrics raise it up. So that's a little bit concerning. I still think it's a two-team race between St. State and, and Wyoming once Graham E. K. gets back. I think the third team, I think the surprise team in this league is going to be Utah State. I've heard lots of things from people about their scrimmages, how they've been playing, how they look, um, and they've been good so far in the games we can see. But they could be the dark horse uh, and maybe be a third-place team. Boise you know, obviously isn't going to be the Boise team last year, nor is Colorado State. So there's kind of a gap there, and I think they could jump into it.
2: Were you suggesting that UNLV scheduling and Carnet Word is not good for the Mountain West?
4: Well, at least they're going to play Dayton, which is a very good team. But yeah, you know, the schedule is down. I mean, you can think not too long ago, they were playing one of the tougher non-conference schedules in the country because they could, right? They can get teams. Everyone wants to come to Vegas. They can get guys to come there and play a, play a quote unquote neutral site game at, you know, one of the, one of the casinos and in one of their arenas. And, uh, and there you go. But, uh, I think, you know, what happens is coaches start collecting wins because they want to have a good record, um, and they're less concerned about the league than they are concerned about their own situation, and that doesn't benefit anybody.
1: I want to get your thoughts on them? Uh, he's he's gone to the transfer portal twice, and you know a lot of people are going to do that. Uh, everyone has transfers, but it's uh, been a lot of new faces both years for him. Ten last year, I think eight this year. Can that work in the long run? In, in you know twenty twenty two and beyond?
4: No, I don't think it can. And. You know, you look at San Diego State and how they've approached this. They've always gotten transfers, right? That's how they built their program. But a lot of them are guys who had to sit out, and it's always benefited guys who had to sit out. I mean, you look at some of their best transfers they've had. Xavier Thames from Washington State, he sat out. Malik, uh, Malachi Flynn from Washington State, he sat out. Now, Jaden Ladee is just crushing it, and he sat out last year. He really didn't have to. They could have probably gotten him a waiver. He wanted to. Um, and so it's different than just going and getting transfers that are immediately eligible. And the problem is you just never have a a real set culture when guys are coming through and it's a revolving door and a turnstile. Um, And, you know, Brian Dutcher talks about this a lot. And, you know, they're going to have four or five scholarships for next season. And already he's, you know, he just said, look, we're going to go get freshmen. I want at least two freshmen. And I want guys who are going to be here four years because that's where you get your culture set. And so his theory is you've got to have some – Good freshmen, like half the program has to be freshmen. So there's always someone there who's been around for a while. When the, when the transfers do come in and get ready to play right away, someone sets the culture for them. Say, look, this is how we do things. This is how we play defense. This is what we do at night. This is how we act. This is how we carry ourselves. And, and you can't have that when you've got eight or ten guys coming in every year. And so sooner or later, I think to have success, he's going to have to bite the bullet, take some freshmen, develop them, Keep them around or else it's just going to be, you know, up, down, up, down every year.
2: Mark Ziegler with us from the San Diego Union-Tribune. You wrote a story uh, a week ago or so about Major League Soccer and San Diego trying to jump in and grab the 30th expansion team. And you had a detail on Las Vegas, who has sort of long been considered the favorite to get the 30th team here. Uh, Is it simply as, as, uh, as easy as they don't, West Edens doesn't want to spend the money on construction to build the stadium out here in Vegas and that's what's holding it up?
4: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was ascribed to me by someone who's really pretty close to the the whole situation in Vegas. As West Eden is on the one-yard line, he just has to write a check, and he hasn't. <laughs> and, and the question is, why hasn't he? And I mean, it's obvious that you know, in our current economic climate, um, interest rates are through the roof, and that's not a good thing for any construction project. And construction costs, because of inflation, are through the roof, uh, and supply chain uh, disruptions are also through the roof, and and take longer than. Normal, so those things are kind of conspiring to, to, to delay that bid. And I think what MLS did, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago in sort of announcing that San Diego is, by the way, um, they've pulled even with Las Vegas. And whereas, you know, three months earlier at the all star game, when asked about it, Don Garber, the commissioner of MLS, said, Oh, no, we're focusing on Vegas for our 30th team. And what it is is sort of a kick in the pants. And it's, it's like, look, they really want to go to Vegas. They really like the market. They like the possibilities. I think the, the whole angle of, uh, of gambling, in-game gambling, all those things um, in sports is coming or is already here, and Las Vegas represents that. So they want to be in Vegas. They think it's a good fit. Um, but they got to get him going. And so this is kind of a, a now-or-never type situation. Um, they also have been saying quietly behind the scenes, you know, we're going to get to 30 and we're going to stop. And so it will be interesting to see what they do. I, I think they're going to keep expanding because they want the expansion fees and they live off those. But, uh, for right now, there's going to be a race for that 30th team. I think if Wes Edens wants it, writes the check, he gets it. I still think he'll have the right of first refusal, but, uh, if he hesitates at all, San Diego state's going to swoop in and San Diego's is going to swoop in, uh, and get it and play at San Diego state Snapdragon stadium.
1: How does the World Cup come off in Qatar?
4: No, I'm starting to feel like it's not going to come off very well, at least in this country. I wrote a call about that this morning. Um, it's so weird to me. I don't know about you guys and, Tyler, what you think about this, but, I mean, the World Cup starts in six days. I mean, this thing has just snuck up on us. Um, it's a weird, weird time. There's a reason why the World Cup is in, is in June every year, uh, and that's because... You know the the pro European pro leagues are done. The NFL is in the off season. There's no you know the NBA and NHL winding down. Uh, there's no college sports. There's no high school sports. Kids are out of school. It's nice weather. People go on vacation, and, and it's um, that's why it's there. And and uh, putting it in November, into November, early December is the absolute busiest time in the sports calendar. I mean, you've got NFL, you've got the NBA, you have got the NHL, high school sports college football, college basketball, uh, you know, winter meetings in baseball. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And, uh, you know, they're going to have to carve their own little place. So it's going to hurt ratings, I think, just because of the congestion. And then you have the ethical issues with Qatar, which, look, this has been going on for for years with with Olympics and World Cups. I mean, we've seen them in China and Russia. Um, It's sports-washing to the nth degree. Nothing new. It's been you know that's been happening since the Greek and Roman days, but I think what's changed is our cultural sensitivities have heightened. We're we're different people now, and whether it's the pandemic or other things, we we start we're starting to care about that stuff now, and that stuff matters. You saw a little bit of that with live golf, and you'll see a lot of it now uh, with with Qatar and and World Cup, and so all that stuff about the migrant workers, their views on homosexuality, uh, their views towards women, towards alcohol. Um, all that stuff is just going to, you know, is going to bubble to the surface. And I think some people are just going to say, I'm going to watch NFL instead. And they have a very convenient excuse. Uh, But it's interesting. I'm curious to what you guys think. I mean, are you guys going to watch this? Are you going to care about this?
2: I mean, I'm going to watch every game that I possibly can, but you are right. I was just checking to see the first game is on Sunday. Thankfully, it starts at 8 a.m., and it won't interfere with the NFL because that's uh, where parties like. I also, Mark, I enjoyed that you threw in there. People will watch the NFL as if the NFL, that's the moral superior uh, league compared to FIFA, and it
4: probably is. <laughs> which, which says a lot about FIFA. Look, you know, what's interesting is, is the Olympics, um, you know, traditionally in the summer, right? But in the 1988 Olympics in Seoul, NBC had them, and they had a monsoon season. And they said, let's, let's stay out of the bad weather. You know, let's, let's do what's right for the athletes. It's too hot, and, and you know, we don't want to have a, a huge storm come through. So we're going to move it into September. And so they had an Olympics in September, and they got crushed in the ratings because of the NFL. And they're like, never again. And so, you know, they, Tokyo, Hottest part of the year. I mean, it's it, they just have to have that window because they got to maximize viewership. And so, uh, he, this is another major international event going ahead to head to the NFL in this country at least. And the, I think it's going to get crushed.
1: How do the Americans do?
4: Well, that's another problem with this is that you know they're not inspiring a lot of uh, confidence right now. Um, I think that's a fair way to put it. Uh, but you know, here's the thing: it's like baseball playoffs. You know, baseball is two seasons. You have the whole regular season, which you can look at metrics and you can you can kind of judge where teams are, and then you have this small, tiny sample size in in relation to a 162 game season uh, of the playoffs, and anything can happen. And so, soccer is kind of like that. I mean, it's it's one game you got to win, or two games you got to win to get out of your group, and you can have terrible teams all of a sudden get hot, and you have good teams. Turn sour, and so that's kind of the beauty of the World Cup. That's a long way to say the United States is terrible, but they may get somewhere because, uh, you know, they're in a pretty easy group and pretty easy side of the bracket, and, uh, you know, they get lucky and win a game here, get a good bounce, and, and get some confidence, and all of a sudden, you know, they can look up and be in the quarterfinals and not really be that good, but be there. So, I have a weird feeling they're getting out of the first round and we'll see what happens from there.
2: I like your weird feeling. He's Mark Ziegler from the San Diego Union Tribune. Mark, as always, we appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Yeah, my, my
4: pleasure to talk to you guys.
2: Yeah. So there is Mark Ziegler. So uh, he's got him out of the first round. Should they should I mean they should get out of the group. I should is maybe a strong word, but because they're not significantly better than Wales. They might not even be significantly better than Iran, but they are. Uh but yeah, get out of the group. Win a win a game. Here's the thing. If they get out of the group, their first or their quarter, not quarterfinal, their round of 16 opponent would be either Senegal, the Netherlands, or Qatar, which the Netherlands is is pretty good. Senegal, they could lose to all three of those teams, right? But like, it's not France, Brazil, Germany, Spain, right. Argentina. Right. So, like, if they do get out of the group, they're going to have a legitimate chance to win a game and get into the quarterfinals. And if, listen, if they're one of the last eight teams playing,
3: that's all I'm going to be been talking about. a complete about. success. Yeah. Oh, I'll be pumped about it. Is anyone, and this is, I guess, looking forward to is not the correct phrase, but do you recall when Sochi, the Sochi Olympics happened, we got like reporters being like, I'm in a room with no running yes. water. There are wild dogs yes. wandering the street because they just bulldozed a town in order to make this happen. Is anyone, I mean, I'm curious to see what, when we have female reporters on the ground in Qatar to cover soccer, like what we're going to learn as far as like, well, all this is scary. The
2: coverage, uh, Fox has already said they're not going to cover the outside the sport type issues that Qatar has. So we're probably not going to get very much here from it's the It's all US. soccer all the time. Yeah. Now, other journalists covering it for other media's right that send people there. I'm sure we'll get lots of stuff. But just if you're just consuming it on TV, I don't think Fox plans to do, not even bring it up. I think they're just, hey,
3: we're here to show soccer games and that's well, it. NBC famously in Brazil didn't show the didn't show the pool that had turned green and the couch right. floating in the <laughs> in one of them. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into some UNLV basketballs.
2: Kevin Kruger's got him two and zero
0: snap to McCoy looking left it's a fade left corner of the end zone A.J. Green with a great grab touchdown the A.J. Green of old is back he's made two incredible grabs
1: we're back to the press box morning
2: show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff on Saturday UNLV beat incarnate word 88 to 60 Kevin Kruger's now 2-0 to start the season they play Dayton tomorrow by the way um Incarnate word came into that rank game ranked 358th in Ken Uh UNLV took care of them easily. Keyshawn Gilbert actually had a pretty nice game with 23 points. Um, but Kevin Kruger wasted all of our time with this game. 100% wasted our time. Incarnate word has lost 20 or more five straight seasons. They are seven and 25 last year. They were only two and one against non-division one teams. Last season, like they lose to non D one teams. Um, that was an incredible waste of time. And everyone knew it like fans at that game. Couldn't be bothered to, cheer by the way, how much. many
1: do you think showed up? I was wondering about that. Were you there?
2: Yeah, probably six, 7,000. It was a real, nor- it's an, it was a normal UNLV basketball, non-conference crowd. Yeah, it was, it's what you'd expect. Um, fans did. I mean, zero atmosphere, right? The players were just going through the motions The media was barely paying attention. I mean, I was watching Ole Miss Alabama on my laptop more than I was watching the second half of that game. Like, just a complete waste of time. And when Kevin Kruger puts out a schedule and you have this type of game, like, what's the purpose of that game?
1: I don't know, because I think if you want to go getting wins, like Mark Ziegler said, getting wins, you can do it without having this kind of team. Right. You don't have to play one of the worst
2: teams in the country.
1: Right. You don't have to play. You know, I mean, it's not. It's not one of those kind of teams. But you don't have to play
2: three fifty eight yeah. in kimpop It doesn't help your NCAA tournament resume. It doesn't. Here is more importantly, it doesn't help you get ready for anything in the future. Nothing that happened on in Saturday's game helps them for the future, right? Like, there is no. You are not going to walk away from that said. Oh, that worked against Incarnate Word. That's going to work <laughs> against Dayton. Like that, that's not what's Like here is the thing. I'd love to be on here and tell you that Jackie Johnson played well offensively and we saw things from Jackie Johnson that are going to be important for this team scoring points in the future but it's irrelevant because they played incarnate word I'd love to tell you that Keyshawn Gilbert had a phenomenal game was overall excellent offensively which is where the big step he's got to take is and if he plays like that he's you know you he could be the best player on a team that contends in the Mountain West but they played incarnate word I'd love to tell you you know he made threes in that game right they didn't shoot 15% from three but it was against incarnate word they again Second game in a row. Insane amount of free throws. But it was incarnate word. Who cares? Like, anything that happened in that game was irrelevant and just ultimately a waste of time. Like, UNLV didn't get better at basketball because they played that game. I, I guarantee their practices are more important than that game right. was. Every Like, they would have been better off not playing and just having a two-hour practice that day. Scrimmage. Yeah. Would have gotten better that way than what they did on Saturday against incarnate word. It's just... A bad team. Oh, and by the way, my theory of, hey, Kevin Kruger's playing bad teams to blow them out and move up in Ken Palm, they didn't win by enough.